Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality ducky drama that is centered on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the quinoa on a cocktail stick, who is Royfield Brown. And with me, I have the individual salad in a cup, who is Philippa Hall. And lastly, we have the rhubarb and ginger cupcakes. Who are you, our lovely listeners? This week's Dumpty Dum is from Spider-Man himself, the <laughs> original teenage superhero. And on this week's episode, we hear from Witherspoon, Glynn. So good, he's going to call in twice. Claire from Clapham, the podcast wife. Ali from Washington, D.C. Stephen Bowden man of sophisticated ways. Jacqueline Berto over there in Brittany. We have my Vicky Cole. Oh, I love me some Vicky over there in... Oh, normally she's in Sri Lanka, but I think she's in the UK at, at the moment. We have Teenage Isabel. And then we have Richard on the emails and Mark from Belfast. And gentlemen, I thank you for emailing in because it means we don't have any naff raps. <laughs> but first, before all that good stuff, it's Amber's week that was Ambridge. Hello, Dumpty Dum. I'm Amber and on This Week in Ambridge... Power couple of the century announced. Tracy and Jazza are an item. Unfortunately for Brad, this does not entitle him to early release access to the home brew. Scriptwriters are definitely sowing the seeds for something long term, as it's clear Harrison still isn't over the idea of being a dad. Methinks the police officer doth protest too much. At approximately 7.13 on Thursday the 15th of April, you may have heard a low groan across the entire country as we all collectively cringed when Alice leaned in for a kiss with Harrison. Honestly, even recounting it is making me wince. In a competition for who can be the most tone deaf, 
Jennifer and Kate collaborate on organising the food for Martha's christening. You do have to hand it to Kate. It must be hard on her back to be navel-gazing like that all day. And that was the week in Ambridge. Thanking you muchly, Amber. Now, very quickly, Mrs Hall. Yes. uh, How are you doing? Now, you need to be very (laughs) quick, succinct, brief, maybe even a little bit terse with your answer because we've got a bucket load of caller-innerers. Go. Okay, I'll be brief. First point, I'm happy because kids are back at school today. So it's a good day as far as I'm concerned. Love them dearly, but very glad they've gone to school. And secondly, I have had my midlife crisis is in full effect because I have done something rather extreme, I'm afraid. Bought a motorbike? <laughs> Worse. Wait, oh, my God. You haven't embarked in an, on an affair. Does Miss... <laughs> Oh, you're swinging. You're swinging. You no. and Mr. Hall are having yeah, no. group sex with oh, randoms. Goodness sakes. Honestly, control yourself. No, I've had a tattoo and I'm going to send you a photo of it now to see your reaction. Has it come through? It has. Now, OK, folks, uh, <laughs> I'm going to do my best to describe this. Go on. There's an arm. And on that said arm is... um. Some books and uh, a pile of books uh, put together, uh, one on top of the other. And then the books seem to be arranging themselves into flight. So one, the top book is open, the pages are open. And then after that, the books morph into birds as the arm tapers into a wrist, which becomes a hand. And behind (laughs) the said arm is a multicoloured bookshelf. It's the most wonderful photograph and I quite like the tattoo. Boom. Thank well you. done you. Look at well, you. I have to say, I was going in thinking all this fuss about the pain of tattoos is nonsense. It'll be absolutely fine. I well, okay, childbirth is one thing, but a tattoo is one of the most painful things. A two hours of just incredible pain. I said to myself, as the pandemic started, I said, if I survive, if I emerge out the other side of this pandemic. I am going to get a tattoo to show that I am, I can be brave and strong. And that's what I've had. Are you going to have lots of ink all over your body now? Maybe one in your lower back. I think they call it a tramp stamp. I can confirm that I will never, ever have another tattoo done as long as I live. Thank you very much. So, no, that will not be reoccurring. But say if, say if, right, you wake up out of your bed six months time and you still feel there's like a gap in your life and you realize you're still in your midlife crisis then what are you going to do will you go swinging no oh my goodness just change oh, the maybe maybe just like... buy a big <gasps> motorbike have something nice and big that throbs in between your legs as you wish down the motorway how's that Dear goodness how much lucasaid or red bull have you had today <laughs> you're Seriously need to just calm down. You're talking to me. Thank you very much. I have but, none but of that. But you're the one that said midlife crisis. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> right. If you would like to make us a dum-de-dum or leave us a plot prediction, then leave us a message on SpeakPipe, which you can find on dumdedum.com, or you can leave a WhatsApp note on the number 07957. 167696, which has, as I, I know people are confused about this, but just in case, which has a plus four four at the start. If 
you're calling from outside the UK. Note to everybody, I know everyone knows this, but Royfield insists that I say that. Anyway, if you prefer to email, then also head to dumdydum.com and click contact us and your beautifully crafted missive will land in our inbox. Now, wait on a minute. Let's just say that I'm from the Pacific Northwest, as Josh was last week. How do I know what the international dialing code is for the United Kingdom? I think everybody knows it's a plus 44, but uh, I, I I have changed my ways. You see, I've mentioned it, so I have improved. Yeah, but time. I'm hearing some sniping. And I'm telling oh, you, me? Americans do not know it's plus 44 for the United Kingdom. They don't. I, I can only... Pro- Why it's, would it's they? Having, it's having the tattoo. It's messed with my mind. Mm, you only got that just this weekend and you were being <laughs> blooming stupid two weeks ago. Anyway, moving on from that, call Rinneris, let's go. Linda, it's your time. Hello, Ambridge3962. First off, it's Glyn. He's me dad, you know, love a bit of Glyn. Hello, Dum-ti-dum. it's Glenn here. On location, I'm at uh, one of the local disused quarries, and a picture will appear on the website, on the Facebook page, rather. Uh, I think this is going to be a two-part call, because it's only early Thursday evening, and I want to listen to Thursday's episode and see what happens with the latest installment with Chris and Alice before phoning in to give some views. So, hopefully, another installment will follow. There you go. Appetite's whetted now for a Glynn call. So let's go to Washington, D.C., the home of the President of the United States. Hi, all. It is Allie from the Washington, D.C. area. And hi to Royfield and Philippa. This week, I've loved the non-Alice storylines. Um, Lee and, and Tony sort of felt slightly non-plausible in a way. I don't necessarily imagine my dad and my husband bonding over that in that way. But Helen's reaction would, was totally um, natural and believable. And I don't typically feel that way when it comes to Helen. The Alice storyline, though, I know that it's a slow burn and it's going to be. But in the United States, uh, over the air, we've got about 2008 vintage EastEnders playing right now. And I stopped watching. The Alice storyline is a little too sober for me. Several months ago, I made a very unpopular take that she was going to just run off. And I still think that she, that there's going to be an explosive end to her and Chris. And maybe Holly Chapman's duration on the show. I don't know. The Ambridge Fairy needs to Get off of Helen's storyline and go over to Alice's. That's all for me. Oh, yes. Brilliant, Ali. Will there be an explosive end? I don't know. There there could be, or it could just be something that's long and drawn out for such a period of time. They seem to have invested in this story for so long already. We just need to see how how it develops. I, I just found it so hard. I'm sure everyone did listening to Alice and hearing the desperation mount up in each episode over the week. Um, I admit I loved the Lee and and Tony scene and I loved it that it was the balance against some of the very difficult scenes to listen to. Superheroes? (laughs) Superheroes? 
Can we talk about superheroes? <laughs> no. Super what? No. You don't want to talk about that. Go on, Royfield. Tell us all about superheroes. When Lee told Tony that, did you know that the Incredible Hulk started off being grey, but it was a mistake with uh, printing and they printed him green in, uh, he didn't say in issue two, but that's what happens in issue two. I nearly wet my underwear. I was like, <laughs> that's some real deep comic book nerddom going on and I'm all for it. My only problem with this whole thing is that like, I don't have a visceral dislike to Lee that a lot of people do and I completely understand the reason why Helen has fallen for him she's had two utter rotters a significant love interest in her life before so she's gone completely to the other end of the spectrum somebody who is as interesting as a, a medium sliced bit of white bread you know incredibly bog standard and bland that's what Lee is but you know what he's armless He's mm. harmless. So, you know, as a comic book aficionado who's enjoying Fal Falcon and Winter Soldier at the moment, <laughs> and I can talk in depth about how that is playing with interesting themes about identity and inclusiveness when it comes to being an American, because it looks like the Falcon is going to be the next Captain America. And as Isaiah Bradley says, he says, boy, America ain't got no time for a black Captain America. I just think, you know, why did they entrust such an important topic, i.e. superheroes, with such a bland character? Now, if Robert Snell was into them, I'd go, yes, because I, I love me some Robert, but it was Lee. And, but anyway, I'll, I'll respectfully try not to talk any more about Marvel superheroes and my love of them and the fact that once a week on Clubhouse, I talk about superheroes for an hour and a half. So uh, it's the Archers. So I'll, I'll give the mic back to you. There you go. But what I love about the Archers is how they balance the hard scenes against the lovely scenes. And you don't find that when you're watching, say, a horror film. Suddenly someone doesn't come on singing and playing the tambourine to break it up. But the Archers does have that. So you have these really difficult scenes to listen to. And then you have Lee and Tony talking about painting cows and superheroes. It was just, it was just so lovely. And I actually, after listening to that scene, I said to my husband, I said, uh, did, did you happen to know that there were, that the uh, Hulk used to be grey? Um, and he was very impressed that I knew that and asked how I knew that. And uh, I said, well, it's the arches. You see, it's the font of all knowledge. I think what we're supposed to deduce from the fact that Tony and Lee get on is that Helen is marrying her father, isn't it? Well, oh, not marrying, no. but she's living with her father. You know, it's the same personality trait. And... No, no, let's not. No, I, I just hope it, it's to show that, you you know, not every character can be zippity-doo-dah and, and really sort of vibrant, whether in a good way or a bad way. I think it's just to offer some, some gentleness. No, but, it, but if you think about it, Tony never got on with Rob. Tony never liked him from the off. He, Tony didn't know why. Tony didn't know that he was a total misogynist and that, um, you know, he was somebody who was going to rape his daughter, etc. But Tony just did not like him. I think this has been introduced to us at the relative start of, of their relationship to, to, to show you that um, sometimes quite often we do end up with a partner who subconsciously we've picked because they're like our parent, one of our parents. And this is going to be a much more harmonious, wider 
family. Tony yeah. likes Lee. Lee likes Tony. One of the things that they bond over is their utter blandness. This is good for Helen, at least in mm. the short term. You know, maybe five to ten years in, she say, bloody hell, far, I need a little, <laughs> little bit of excitement in my life. You know, and if you want that, Lee, Kung Fu Lee's not the man, not the man. You know, so, oh, talking about Kung Fu. You know, there's going to be a new Marvel movie, Shang-Chi. Uh, it's coming out back end of this year, and he's a Kung Fu king. You know, he's a hi-ha! He's all about all of that bit of Shang-Chi. Looked awesome. Right, now, from uh, Ali in the capital of the United States, we go to Jacqueline Berto. Oh, I love me some Jacqueline. Hi, it's Jacqueline Berto from Sanguin in Brittany. I'm sure loads of people have been ringing in this week about the Alice storyline. The scriptwriters are writing it in a very interesting way. And it reminds us that we are only flies on the wall because many of the conversations that we're hearing are between a couple, a well-established couple, a stressed couple, and wouldn't necessarily be something that would be out in the public if Ambridge wasn't, well, it is a real place, but if it wasn't, not real. <laughs> As someone who's dealt with my daughter's addictions for nearly 20 years, including the birth of both my grandchildren, personally, I think the story has been written very well, because every situation is different, every day is different. I wish people wouldn't criticise either Alice or Chris. Both are out of their depths. The wider family being involved is not necessarily a good thing, but professional help is essential, and that's what they need to search for. But this story shouldn't and, sh and wouldn't in real life go away, not for a long, long time yet. Oh, Jacqueline, yes. Uh, gosh, I completely agree. I, I, and hearing you say how every day is different and that they really need professional help, I'm I'm just humble, Jacqueline, that because you have gone through so much. And I, personally, I'm just so grateful for you to make the call and, and to give us your view on it because, yes, each day is different. And we see that with Alice. Some days she's able to cope better until something happens and destabilises her. And then, and then other days, right from the start, she is just unable to cope. And uh, we had this sort of two-week rehab, which we knew really was never going to work. But they just haven't had the help that that we all can see that they really need. And it is going to be a long-term story. So, yeah, thank you, Jacqueline. It's, it was really heartfelt and uh, to hear your, your view on that. Uh, Roy, Phil, what, what do you think? Will this go on? I really hope that it does. And I just think what the writers are doing here is utterly stunning. Initially, we came through this through the prism of somebody who had an illness, who had an addiction to alcohol, or at least an over-reliance on it, first off. I don't think we kind of realised that she was an alcoholic. There is no way that this that the Ambridge Fairy can just come in and just, you know, wave a magic wand and just write everything. And and what they're doing is showing us the one of the potential outcomes of somebody who um is dependent on alcohol. Because one of the things that alcohol does is lower our inhibitions. Our decision making process is impaired. And and we've had that in spades now. We've had Alice um think that Ed uh, was was kind of coming on to her and then mm. all of that mess. Mm. And the same thing has, has happened again now with Harrison. 
And the the ramifications of this with with key relationships that she's going to have in the village are just set manifold like for years to come. And I think it's utterly delicious from a storytelling point of view, but utterly realistic from an addiction point of view. Mm, yeah. we, we can now also uh, piece together the whole Prowse Bauman uh, Farago that went mm. on that remember once she didn't come home um, but I forget the name of the colleague who she had a, a tetchy relationship with but now I think we can understand that probably she did sleep with this guy or at least there was some level of um, you know physical in- interaction because of alcohol and and we've seen her you know make terrible decisions to do with men twice now so it isn't just she's addicted to alcohol we have her and martha and potentially the issues that martha might have for the rest of her life Mm. it's how it affects her relationship with her husband and then with other people in the village and that's before we even get to her family and you know and the, the realization that she has this terrible affliction when it comes out to them. I just think this is utterly brilliant. I just just left slack-jawed last week. I just went bravo when she came on Mm. to Harrison. Mm. And they teed it up so well at the start of the week. Yeah. There was Harrison being Harrison, helping her, being a confidant. And she just read all the wrong signals into that and then put alcohol into the situation and she made a lunge for him. Incredibly realistic. Bravo script writers. I need this to run and run. I don't need to hear Alice every week on my radio mm. or, well, on my iPhone via, via a podcast download, but you get my drift. I really want her and Chris to stay together. The romantic in me does want them to eventually overcome this, but I, wa- I need this to play out in in real time, in a very realistic way. I'm glad that she's relapsed so close after, glad in terms of storytelling, that she's relapsed so soon after the birth of Martha. I just think the actor is knocking the ball clean out of the park. Great script writing, bravo. And I think it it helps get the message across about what, how how an alcoholic can be and and it's sort of the deception and the desperation and the build up i've certainly learned a lot and, and to begin with i just thought oh she yes she drinks too much but i i didn't think that she was an actually an alcoholic so it's it's really opened my eyes and helped educate me which is um you know an, another part of it but i agree i think the acting has been incredible and I can only imagine that this is going to go on and on as we see the ramifications of it as more people find out, as is inevitably going to happen, um, and as Martha grows up. And there's already been a discussion about is Martha deaf because she didn't hear the tractor, she didn't hear the bell on the shop door going. Um, So, you know, there's a lot more to come out of this. And um, I I find it very hard to listen to, but it's very important. Mm. Incredibly important. They're doing uh, great work, the script writers here, and explaining all the ramifications of of Alice's addiction. Jacqueline, I I know that you're going through somewhat of a trying time. So the the Mm. fact that you can, um, you know, find the time to call in and this storyline 
plays that so personally to you it's so resonant to you on a personal level as well so 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 thank you for uh calling in uh from jacqueline berto in Brittany, we go to all oh, my vicky cole who's another wonderful friend hello royfield and fellow presenters and everyone in dumpty dum world it's vicky cole here i have not called in for months i meant to call in last week inspired by isabel but i lost track of the days because i was in quarantine having had a brief visit back to the uk i was here in sri lanka and i had no idea what day it was so sorry about that what i wanted to say last week was how interesting it is about how the archers affects our behaviour, I think. People are still turning on the radio in expectation on Friday evenings and being disappointed when there's no archers. Mm. For me, uh, because I never listen live because of the time difference, I often save up a few episodes to listen together. But sometimes I find that I want to switch the podcast on early in the morning, you know, as soon as I wake up to listen to it. And there's been quite a lot of that lately because of Chris and Alice. Like the rest of the world, with Chris and Alice, I am shouting at them, oh my goodness, why are you not going to AA meetings, Alice? Why is Chris not going to Al-Anon? They are, have no resistance to deal with any of this, with the exhaustion of a new baby. It's heartbreaking, and it just seems unrealistic to me that they're not doing it. I mean, surely they'll have been advised to do it. I don't know. Um, and then finally, oh, Lee and Tony, they are so boring. But actually, they're boring together, so perhaps they'll form a new male friendship. Only please may we not have to hear too much of it. Hope everybody's well. Stay safe. Thanks for the podcast. And best of luck to all the new teams with all the changes. Lots of love. Bye. Oh, Vicky, thank you so much for your call and I hope your travels have been safe for you. Um, yes, this just to go back to this, Lee and and Tony, how boring they were. I just wonder if you take two boring characters and put them together in a scene, is there some sort of scientific equation where they balance each other out? Two negatives become a positive. I, I don't even know with that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, Vicky made such a good point that um, Alice has sort of no resistance to deal with anything that's going on at the moment because she's so exhausted with the new baby. And we have really heard a complete change in her since Martha was born and, and the desperation creeping in. Uh, and I thought that was so interesting. But Royfield, you need to ask your friend Kerry Davis about the extra episodes and when they're going to return, because we, we're all really missing them, Vicky included. Mm. The whole switching on uh, two minutes past seven on, on a Friday. And uh, for me, tonally, I do miss a Sunday episode. It was always the most disposable, which for me was incredibly important. Bit of cricket. It was something which wasn't really connected to the other storylines and you could just have the archers wash over you and you didn't need to connect the dots necessarily. So um, I'm, I'm missing Sunday, but I'm more missing thematic Sunday than actual Sunday, if that makes any kind of sense. But... I, I, I will will admit that, you know, I might be falling out of love a little bit with the archers on, on a whole. I'm not so what? Yeah, yeah. I just I just found it a little bit uh, recently. But this week's pulled me back. This I should week hope pulled so. me back. Pulled oh me right back, Mrs. Good. <laughs> <laughs> just if ever you're le- left in any doubt about whether you're enjoying the archers, just think back to the lockdown monologues, compare it to that, and you should enjoy it straight away because nothing can be as bad as David talking about lasagna. 
Well, I did listen to that episode. I did think, oh, crumbs. All right. However, I, I don't think I've mentioned this actually on air, but I switched off the monologues after about the second week and I just read the summaries. Oh, gosh. I couldn't, oh, no. I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear it. I might have slightly hinted at that on Dumpty Dum, but I just couldn't bear them. So um, I didn't. So I knew what was going on. I just read the BBC summaries, but I just said to myself, this is 12 minutes of my life. I'm never going to get back. So I'll just read the bits which the BBC say, BBC say is important. And so I, I know who's doing what to whom, but <laughs> could not bear them. No, I feel it's like a badge of honour. We we had to listen to them to show that we are no, you we are loyal. You so you're not loyal. You're not loyal to the absolutely. Arts, you know, it's disgraceful. If, if I was loyal, I'd set up a podcast, run it for seven years about about the thing, wouldn't I? I'm obviously not loyal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay, fair enough. But no, you should have. You you need to go back. You could go back and listen. Think of the fun Why? you'd have now going back and listening to that. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah, no, don't. I wouldn't wish that on you. Right. Now, uh, from Vicky Cole, my Vicky Cole, uh, we go to Stephen Bowden, who is a man who's much more sophisticated and urbane than me. Hello, you two. Stephen here at Wenlock House on Twitter. Now, I know that everybody is deliriously happy about the getting together of Jazza and Tracy, and I'm the last person to want to pour cold water on things. Well, probably not the last, but never mind that. My question is this. Now that they have got together, what happens next? One possibility is that they live happily ever after, which is good for them, but really rather dull for the rest of us. Why do you think that happily ever after marks the end of fairy stories and romances? It's because there's nothing interesting left to say. Look at the only current truly happy marriage in Ambridge, that of Richard and Sabrina Thwaite. Are they happy because they're silent? <laughs> no, they are silent because they are happy. The other possibility is that Tracy and Jazza don't live happily ever after, but end up arguing with each other, betraying each other, and generally having a wretched time. This is far more likely, of course, given the Ambridge track record. Has there been a purely happy, non-silent relationship in the village since Phil Archer died? Even the Snells have had problems. But in the next generation down, we've had relationships end in suicide, attempted murder, and apparent insanity, or at least staggeringly poor taste. And that's just Helen. Harrison and Fallon were almost torn apart over the question of whether they should have children. Ed and Emma separated for a while over the loss of Emma's dream house. Tom and Kirsty are serial disaster areas together or apart. Debbie was abused. Lizzie was abandoned to service station, then widowed. Will was betrayed and then widowered. And then there's Chris and Alice. The bottom line is that in the Archers, relationships mean pain and misery. And it seems odd that so many Dumpty Dummers seem to want to wish that on one of their favourite characters, and onto Jazza too. The choice for Trazza is clear. Silence, sorrow, or separation. It's because I think Tracy is such a great character that I have to vote for the last of these. Oh, Stephen, that was absolutely brilliant. My goodness, who has the perfect relationship on the archers and yeah i at the beginning i was really anti jazza and tracy getting together and the script writers played a blinder because then they gave me jazza and jade and immediately all i wanted to hear was tracy and jazza getting back together which they did and for the moment while we've got the difficulties of chris and alice to hear tracy and jazza is glorious but 
I wouldn't want them to dilute themselves by staying together. I love both their characters. So if it means that they need to separate, oh, that would be really sad. I hope they stay together for quite a while. I don't really want them to separate, but I don't want them to change who they are. I don't know. I mean, with Trazza, I expect calamities along the way. So maybe it won't be the perfect relationship. Maybe it'll be less Mills and Boone and more car crash reality TV. I, I don't know. Jazza is the rainbow of the week. Tell you who's another rainbow in our week. It's Isabel. Hi, this is my third call-in in as many weeks. So I'm giving you my views on Ambridge this week. Well, it's been hard listening. I'll give you that. Upsetting, especially Thursday. So Alice, I think she's hit rock bottom at last. I thought she was getting better, but, well, she's had a relapse. It's been devastating. <sighs> well, that scene, you know, like when Kate said on, um, what, what day was it? Oh, I think it was Tuesday. When she said, um, you may look like you're not needing anything, but I'll always be your sister. It made it sound like she knew. I was thinking maybe Peggy dropped her some kind of hint I think that was what made Alice, like, cross a line on Thursday, you know, made her drink again. Honestly, she's she's in a mess. Like, that last scene was really upsetting. Like, when I was here, I was hearing Alice crying, and I was like, oh, no, no. But when Alice kissed Harrison, I was pretty angry at that as well. That was so well acting, so... Well done, actor who plays Alice. Um, so anyway, Kate, awful this week, honestly. If I raised a child like Kate, well, like when I was older, I'd be uh, ashamed as a parent. Lee and Tony in that model train, boring. That's all I've got to say for now. Good luck for Tuesday. Bye. Oh, Isabel, you are just a star. Um, and yeah, I can understand what you're saying. Let, let's try not to be angry at, at Alice and the situation. Let's try to be concerned about, about her and Chris. And I take your point, what will happen? Now, I would just like to say that we are recording this before the episode, the new episode of The Archers on Monday. So we do not know what has happened about the kiss and the impact of that. My worry is for any good drama, they take a character that you really like and then they throw all sorts of awful things at him. So if I could choose, I would love Harrison to go home, confide in Fallon. And yes, there'd be some fallout from it, but everyone move on. But I'm just so worried that because he's a good guy, he's not going to tell Fallon. And Fallon doesn't know yet about Alice's um, alcohol problem. And it's just then there will be this even bigger fallout, maybe at the christening, who knows? And I'm just so worried about the drama of it and where it's all going to end. It's going to be even more uncomfortable. Royfield, what would you say? I think Harrison will tell Fallon. And in the telling of Fallon what's happened, he has to then say she's an alcoholic and that he's known for a little while that Chris mm. confided in her, you know, that kind of has to happen. So yes, then Fallon's reaction, um, 
is anyone's guess. You know, she could be like, well, she's uh, she's an alcoholic. Inhibitions were lowered. Uh, she just had a baby. She's all over the place. I don't like what's happened, but I can just about survive this. And or she she could march around there. You know, take your pick. Take yes. your pick. Will she say, well, we can't be godparents anymore? Well, because that's putting us in, a, you know, there's all these implications. Um, you yes. know, I, 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 I'm taking that as a given, you know, that mm. it, it just puts an, an impossible pressure on, on the pair of them. And then if they then uh, withdraw from being godparents, how do they explain that to everybody else? Yes. Yes, absolutely. What if Harrison doesn't tell Fallon? What if he's so I think he will. It? I think he's too upstanding. I hope he does. I know. He's too upstanding. He's such a good guy. He is the moral compass of the whole thing. It used to be Ian who was whatever decision that Ian made in the mid to late noughts was the writer's best selves. It was um, what we should do as as you know, as citizens, you know, Ian was morally and ethically pure and just righteous. That crown has now been handed on to Harrison. He does the right thing. So if he does the right thing, he's also going to phone Chris. Because if he's going to tell Fallon, he has to tell Chris what's happened as well. Crumbs. You know yes. what? I, I hadn't even thought of that. Oh, we need to hurry up and finish so we can listen to what's All going right, to then. happen. I tell you what, then. Let, let's crack on. Right, next one is, is Claire from Clapham. Hi, Humpty Dum. It's Claire from Clapham here. Um, I feel like I, it's only been a couple of days since I last left the message, but it's Tuesday evening, and I um, I listened to Tuesday's episode in the car um, on the way home from the office, which I very rarely go to. Um and, oh, my God, wasn't it just brilliant? It felt like peak archers. Everyone was being mm. peak themselves. Like, Jenny was being peak, sort of passive-aggressive martyr matriarch. Kate was being peak, awful, selfish, obnoxious person. Uh, Harrison was being peak, understanding, reliable, kind of good friend. Told you. Alice was being peak, <laughs> flaky, um, struggling person. And Fallon was being peak rise above it, have some self-respect, independent woman. Um, I just, I, I, I kept shrieking and laughing in the car. I, it was great. And I think, you know, occasionally I, I have an episode and I think, oh, if I knew anyone who was trying to get into the Archers, sometimes I go, oh, no, don't, don't join just now. There's nothing much going on or whatever. But this would be a really great introductory episode, I feel. Because um, you just see people in their real kind of, really in their, their true selves and in the best way. And wasn't Jenny a horrific snob toward Fallon? And Fallon just, like, <laughs> dealt with it so well, you know? Um, well done, everyone. Um, let there be more Fallon Harrisons in my lives than than Jenny's and Kate's and Alice's, let's be honest. And the whole line about how Aldridge's were all kind of, you know, a horrific family was brilliant. I think that's great. Anyway, that was it. Um, I hope everyone else enjoyed it as much. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.
Oh, Claire, yes, absolutely. And you're right. That It would have been a great week for people to listen to it for the first time because there was so much going on. I loved the scene with Jennifer. It just brought flashbacks about other themed events she's done and how awful they are and these sort of monstrous ideas she's had for all sorts of strange dishes. And I just thought they're serving rhubarb and ginger cupcakes at, at a, a baptism, at a christening. And presumably there are going to be other children there. And you can just imagine, you know, it's not exactly child-friendly food that they're they're planning. So that's not going to go well. And I just thought, what buffet do you go to that has a theme like that? You just want the food to to be tasty. But this sort of spring theme, is Jennifer going to be there as a centrepiece, as a statue, all dressed up? I don't know. And are they going to have baby lambs frolicking around? I just, the mind boggles. I thought Fallon was great how she dealt with it. It showed how awful Kate is. And this assumption that Jennifer's fine with her new mini kitchen. Um, It was just... It, it was again. It was awful, but it was you know it was classic archers. Just as Claire said, it was peak archers. Royfield, was it peak archers for you? Quiche. Where do you stand on quiche? Oh, now this is a difficult one. School quality, school lunch quality quiche. No, thank you. But my mother's quiche, I would eat it, and and it would be fine. Are you a quiche fan? At school, quiche. Bleh. Yes, right. exactly. You know, it was just industrialised mush. Yeah. <laughs> However, you know, when you've got someone who's somewhat adept in the kitchen, right, God, I love me some quiche. Right, yes. but you'd ask 10-year-old, 15-year-old Royfield, do you like quiche? Right, I'd have been like Kate Aldridge. I'm mean, oh, yeah, she doesn't like quiche. Royfield doesn't like quiche. Absolutely doesn't like quiche. <laughs> I just thought that was just a great little bit of writing. Mm. Kate bristling uh, and saying that ultimately the menu had to suit her is what she was saying. But then passing everything off by saying, no, mom, you're trying to interfere. It's got to all be about Alice and what Alice wants. But really it was all about her and Mm. her eating habits. And the quiche thing, I I just loved all of that. So well done. Well, yes, and the fact that she then phoned Alice to to tell Alice that she doesn't like quiche, just to prime her for the phone call. I mean, oh, Kate has gone from being quite funny this week to being downright horrible as well as a, as a sister and a daughter. Um, but I I just enjoyed that scene. Yes, quiche gate, fantastic. Utterly fantastic and well done, Claire, uh, in describing the episode as being utterly peak archers. So uh, you were spot on, Mrs. Now, here's someone who's always correct, um, always insightful when it comes to our docudrama. It's our Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's with Spoon and Angus Haggis here. Uh, I did think that this week would be a much-needed respite from the recent high drama, so I could talk about the subtle maturing of Tracy and Jazzer. To my surprise, maybe they'll be good for each other. Or I could talk about the never-changing narcissism of Kate. I would love to see a yurt fall on her head and she'd go into a coma for five years. Or maybe I could sit back and enjoy the bonding of the two man children, Tony and his future son-in-law, Lee. I think Lee gets a bad rap. 
he's a good and decent man, and I'm sure Royfield, for one, appreciates his superhero worship. Yep. But no, just when I thought I could avoid talking about Alice and Chris for a week, they pulled me right back in. Has Alice hit rock bottom? Will this be the week she admits to her family that she's an alcoholic and to herself that she needs much more professional help? I don't know. Will Harrison tell Chris the bloody details of her latest slip? And will Chris take Martha and leave Alice for the cozy confines of Ambridge View? I don't know. As an aside, it's interesting to note that Alice keeps referring to her support group and not AA. I wonder if AA has some copyright that prevents the show from using the organization's name. It's possible. Anyway, what she needs is residential rehab for six months. There is a program in the UK called Trevi, which provides residential drug and alcohol rehab services for mothers while their babies and young children stay with them. I know the daughter of a friend of mine in Italy is in one such program. Would that be good for Alice and for Martha? Would Chris and Susan allow it? If Alice went into a traditional rehab, would Chris be overwhelmed with parenting, even with supports? I throw these questions back to our co-hosts to discuss and for all of you to think about. Talk to you soon. Uh, Witherspoon, brilliant as always. And what is the best solution? There's a few that you've thrown at us there. I mean, if it was a few years ago, I'm being flippant now, so excuse me. But if it was a few years ago, Tom's kefir seemed to solve all sorts of problems and treat all sorts of ailments. So I think Tom would have offered his kefir if he found out about Alice's alcohol problem and offered that as a, as a cure. But anyway, sorry, back to not being flippant. In my mind, the best solution for Alice and Martha is for them to go to this, the, 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 the new, more modern way of doing a mother and baby rehab. And that makes sense. But where does that leave Chris? And, and he's wounded and hurting from this. Presumably he couldn't join in with uh, rearing Martha in the in the rehab so what would happen to him and and I guess that's the reality that there is no perfect solution for them there's no obvious perfect solution for them so trying to see how they're going to work through this and and the ups and downs lots and lots of downs is going to be both interesting and and exhausting for us I think but um yeah it's a difficult question with a spoon but I think I would say that the best route would seem to be for a mother and baby rehab, but I just don't know how that's going to impact on Chris and the wider family. Royfel, which route do you think they should go down? You know, this is where um, you've thought about this much more um, in depth than I have, and I hadn't even thought about that. You know, um, if they're going to do that, how would they... Well. they can't explain that away, can they? So they'd have to just, you know, they'd have to be after a big disclosure to both of their families yeah. that this is what's going on. Um, I can't see how this can get any worse, but the but the scriptwriter seems to put in layer and layer of more awfulness on top mm. of this. So um, we we do need to start edging out of it for the for the sake of for the sake of the character of Alice and for us believing in the whole wider construct of not only uh, her relationship with Chris, but with, um, you know, the, 
they're, they're wider families because there would be some level of, of intervention. Witherspoon, thank you for such a thoughtful call and given us more pause for thought, more food for thought as to possible outcomes in this uh, storyline. Uh, you've heard him once, you're going to hear him twice. It's our Glyn Fuller Love. Hello, it's Glenn again. It's now Friday morning and I have listened to Thursday night's episode and whoa, um, I think I was expecting this week we would start to see some sign of Alex reaching out for help. Um, maybe the first uh, indication that she was going to talk to family and we knew she was going to her support group. So perhaps the first tentative steps back, but no, what we're seeing appears to be a continued um, continued slide. Um, and uh, well, it could it could get even it it could get it could get even worse. Um, some speculation on social media elsewhere about causes um, or what 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 has triggered um or what's in alex's background that's caused her alcoholism and i just i i I don't think there's any one cause we can point to the only thing i would say is her background was such that when she was growing up um and it wasn't her fault but she never really had to think about anyone other than herself due to the background she grew up in and um with the, with Jenny and Brian and uh, the farm and everything being provided, and it left her unprepared for an adult life where she would have to make choices which affected other people and not just her. Anyway, I've gone over my two minutes in total, so that's all I'll say. Thank you for the podcast. Um, stay safe, everybody, and speak to you again soon. Bye. Oh, thank you, Glenn. Yes, always uh, the voice of knowledge and, and reason. Yes, it's interesting because Alice never had, as Glenn says, never had to think of anyone else when she was younger and, and growing up. And we all hoped it would be OK. But hearing Alice talk, I think it was Thursday's episode, about how she just wanted to design aeroplanes, but then she got married then she had a child. And I think that's a really good point. No, okay, it wasn't the only trigger for for what then happened. But we do tend as a community to have a rosy image of you grow up, you go to university, get a job, then you get married, then you have children. And it doesn't have to be like that. You shouldn't feel... And you get a tattoo. (laughs) Yes, you go completely crazy and have a tattoo. Yes, maybe that'll be next week for her. Oh, dear. Um, but you, people don't have to, you know, get married and, and have children. If that's not your identity, if that's not who you are, I just think people shouldn't feel that, that that's expected and be forced to because Alice was implying that, that that was sort of what started the change for her and it turned her into someone that she wasn't comfortable with and it was heartbreaking to hear to hear her say that and to talk about how... She just what she yearned for the youth, I suppose. Maybe, well, I suppose I can share her view with that. But she she yearned for a time when she didn't have responsibilities, which which ties in with exactly what what Glenn was saying. But Royfield, what what would you say on that? I think the yearning for a time when she didn't have responsibilities is quite um, 
is quite insightful. And actually, her relationship with Chris has been one where she has deliberately withheld uh, the progress of that relationship in that kind of traditional manner of which you spoke. You know, it was Chris that wanted to to deepen it by having children. And it yes. was her that said no. You know, she talked about constantly about wanting to go and have fun in, in the last couple of years. You know, drinking was having fun. Going out it was, was having fun. And her and Chris have been married for, what, 10 years now. Mm. So, uh, or at least they've been together for, you know, 10 uh, plus years slightly. So, and, and to be fair to, to Alice, you know, they weathered some storms because they got together and she went off to university in Southampton. And then there was the whole thing where she had, um, where one of her housemates kind of came on to her and, you know, mm. so, you know, they've been together and unweathered storms. They went off to Las Vegas and got married and everybody thought, yeah, this is somewhat of a joke. Uh, but she didn't want to take on X responsibility and uh, she voiced it. And yeah, looking back, that's absolutely been the pattern. Their relationship, as far as we've con- been concerned as listeners, was one that ha- happened really off mic. You know, the, the, mm. it just mm. it was one note, wasn't it? You know, but then increasingly um, in the last three years or so, there was her and her new position and having problems at work. And we understand those problems now. At least we can piece together. It was her drinking the reason why she was let go. It was her being inappropriate with colleagues and probably having... Uh, physical relationships uh, with one or two of them, specifically the one whose name I completely forget. But vis-a-vis her relationship with Chris, Chris was just oblivious to everything and um, has been enthralled to his his beautiful, wonderful wife for all this time. And uh, so, yeah, so I think it's really uh, quite uh, prescient for, uh, observant, sorry, for, for Glyn to, to, to make that observation. Hmm. The truth will out. It always does in the end. Emails, I believe we have, uh, do we have two? We do. You see, there seems some sort of mutiny here. I was ready to deliver a wonderful rap and two emails came through. So it's almost as if people don't like my rap. I, I'm sure that's wrong, though. That, that can't be true. But yes, we have two emails. So the first one is from Mark from Belfast. And uh, he says, in recent months, to make up for the fact that there's only been four episodes a week, I've been working my way through the older episodes from 2007 onwards, which are available online. I've now reached the point in late 2008 where Alice and Chris first got together and have been left wondering if the story arc of Alice's alcoholism has actually been plotted out much longer than just the past few years and can in fact be traced back for over 13 years. From listening to the older episodes, it seems that among one of the first interactions between the characters of Alice and Chris is the pair discussing separate plans to go out drinking with friends. On the night in question, they bump into each other. Alice gets extremely drunk, makes a pass at Chris and tells him she fancies him. Chris acts as the knight in shining armour, ditching his friends to make sure Alice gets home safely. I couldn't help but notice how this initial interaction between the characters mirrors so much of what's to come and seems to foreshadow the developing story arc relating to Alice's drinking. Is this mere coincidence or have the Archer writers been consciously developing this story arc for over 13 years. 
Mark, absolutely. Now, you sent this email on Wednesday, so before Thursday's episode. So you get the award for good predictions um, because you were saying it goes back in time. And we heard some of that on on Thursday's episode. Um, So if you're that good about predictions, please, could you let me know what's going to happen in the Archers for the rest of this week? And will Jenny get a bigger kitchen? Because I think she needs to. Will Lee and Tony become a regular double act? Roy Phil, what would you like uh, March predict? for you it's hmm. a very good question the the obvious answer is kind of you know the lottery numbers but i don't do the lottery oh no, yeah when will the pandemic be over or more to the point the lockdown in southern ontario so i can go and see the kids then i'll book my flight because seriously i should be in canada right now and i'm not because uh, southern ontario's in severe lockdown and uh, so there's no point going over there for me to spend 14 days in quarantine, even though I'm double vaccined up, I'm all good to go. You know, you've had both of them. I've had both. People can what? breathe on me. I can lick doorknobs and all sorts. I won't <laughs> catch a bloody thing. I, I'm, I'm, I feel impervious to just about everything right now, but I can't go and see my bloody kids because it'd be 14 days in quarantine, even though I'm double vaccined up. And then when you get there, uh, you can't mix households, so I can't really physically see them. And even if we go for walks, we can't even walk to a coffee shop or anything mm. because nothing's open. But even though you've been double vaccinated, please don't go licking anything because you just never know. Let's not take okay. any risks. Well, metaphorically. But <laughs> what, I can't even lick an ice cream. Uh, do we have another email? Yes, one last email from Richard. So here we go. Greetings from the sun-kissed city of Lancaster. I hope you are all in sparkling form. (laughs) Sun-kissed? It is today. It's beautiful. Beautiful in this country, all around, even Lancaster. Anyway, I have no doubt that correspondents will speak of the suboptimal week the Aldridge girls have had. I applaud both the script writing and Perdita and Holly's acting to bring two such performances, one objectionable, the other confused and needing help from the page to the listener, is testament to both. The Archers has a wonderful knack of mixing the dramatic with the mundane. In that great spirit, I thoroughly enjoyed the scene between Lee and Tony, who, at either ends of middle age struck a chord that all chaps love to list or collect things tony who i expect probably has the odd notebook filled with penciled locomotive and carriage numbers spotted from the bridge at hollerton junction illustrates that wonderful habit that chaps love to collect things lee's tale of collecting marvel action figures is the same behavior but brought up to date as an inveterate collector of international rugby jerseys obscure interpretations of the law and great cricket writing i can empathize with both Tony and Lee. There is something in middle age that encourages men to collect and list things. I also hope that both have looked at that advert for future contestants in Mastermind and thought, perhaps, there can be no coincidence that this rather wonderful exchange between the generations about respective obsessions and collections came on the day that Wisdom was published. My copy arrived in time <laughs> to be perused just after listening to Thursday's episode. Fond regards to all Dumdy Dummers across the world, especially Philippa's dad. There you go, Richard. Top emailer in her. Um, thanks, as always. Great to see an, e- an email from, from Richard. And, yeah, lovely to see the Tony and Lee uh, collaboration, as, as we've seen. Um, 
certainly better than the Joy and Tony collaboration that we had to experience in in times past. Uh, But then talking about, you know, collections and and what you're interested in, uh, people think I'm crazy to be obsessed with the archers, but I absolutely love it. We all need something. It's harmless. I guess you've collected strange friends that come on your podcast and have tattoos. (laughs) Well, more accomplice than a friend, I would say, really. (laughs) Oh, Partner in crime, partner okay. in crime. All right. Now, on that note, it's uh, our Sue Lee, Queen of Tart. Uh, she's next. It's a social media roundup. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hello, lovely people. Siri here, Queen Tart on the Twitters. Um... Let's talk about Quichegate. Honestly, Kate has gone too far in many people's book. She wouldn't move spiritual home to save Jenny Darling's kitchen. And now she wants to move it to resort her blooming chakras or whatever they are. Um, Ian Bullock asked for us to fill him in on the history and Marion, Kevin, Alexa and Lynn were good enough to oblige. Kate did not come out of it well. And then she went too far again and tried to muscle in on the christening menu and was really rude to Jenny Darling and claimed that Alice didn't eat quiche. I mean, really? And then Facebook stepped in, um, sending the admins a bunch of notifications to say that we couldn't use threatening language. And if we did, then they might shut the group down. Um, I can confess to using the words, um, well, let's go with... Her throat down quiche ram to want I or something similar to that. Um, they don't understand Facebook, I mean, that she's a fictional character. 
which Joe pointed out. But Stephen told us that one of their oversight committee was formerly the editor of The Guardian and should understand Archer fandom. Pat pointed out that it's great when Kate or Russ appears because then they behave like real people that she actually knows and she can react in a way she can't in real life. Whereas Susan says Kate should have her own show. I am not sure that I would survive. Oh, Lee and Tony's train session was lovely, although um, it's not a train session, it's a locomotive session. I'll come to that in a moment. Colin said they're too good to be true. And there was a question about the semantics of using train against locos. So I did go away and look it up. The locomotive's the bit that pulls the train and the train is all of it. I also looked up double O gauge cows on eBay. And of course, now I'm getting a slew of emails about trains and locomotives and cows and both. Yes. Anyway, Joe Jackson pointed out how Helen talks to Lee like he's a toddler. And Gillian said it's because she doesn't get any adult conversation. And Stephen said you'd be blinded by his trainers. Jonah said Lee seems like a normal person and the residents of Ambridge don't know how to talk to normal people. So, all I'm going to say about Thursday is badly done, Alice, badly done. And also, badly done to Susan, and frankly, to Chris, and frankly, probably Neil, but we don't know what he did. And poor Harrison, what a position to be put in. Can't they get in touch with AA and Al-Anon? Lots and lots of people want them to be talking to the appropriate organisation. I'm going to talk about my favourite post of the week now. Laura Jackson wants Lee and Royfield to get together and talk superheroes. Please, that would be so lovely. And Justine Newton, I hope, um, found someone actually using Right You Are in the newspaper with a picture of potatoes in the dishwasher. How very odd indeed. What perfume does Tracy wear? Asked uh, Lillian. And, oh, you were all over this. So youth Jew is what Lillian's suggestion is. Something from Avon, maybe Alien, Tramp, Impulse, Poison, Eau Sauvage, which I must be honest, I always read as Eau Sausage. So in fact, it's much more appropriate for Sausage Boy. So bring back Tom, bring back Natasha, bring back all those people that we haven't seen. There was a question about where they all are and hopefully we'll see them all very soon. So I will close with that except to say that we've had a bit of a disaster with the bees in that we had two colonies of bees neither of which have survived the winter and so we have been getting ready to flamethrower the hives that they were living in and burn all of the frame and all of the wax because it's probably contaminated with something which killed them um so hopefully we will be back with bee corner with some more positive news very soon have a lovely week, everybody. Bye. Thank you for that roundup. Remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or leave a WhatsApp note to 07957 which is, as we're learning, plus 44-7957-167-696 if you are outside the UK. So we're not, I'm not doing Tweet of the Week again. I'm doing Guess the Year. So again, huge thanks to the public libraries for this information. But I've got three headlines for you, Royfield. And either they it, they were in a newspaper in 1955, 57 or 58. 
and you have to try and guess which year, okay? Yes. So, the first headline, The Archers in Turmoil, Tom Forrest Faces Murder Charge. The next one, The Archers Mock Wedding, Protest Against Hiring of Church to BBC. And then the final one, Supper at Ambridge After a Never Never Harvest. So you've got the Archers in Turmoil, the Archers Mock Wedding and Supper at Ambridge. And you have to decide if that, if it was written in 1955, 1957 or 1958. All right. I'm going Tom Forrest is 58. Wrong. Oh. <laughs> no, OK. All right. These are too hard. These are too hard. <laughs> what you've got to do, how you do a good quiz, a good multiple choice quiz. Right. I don't want to teach you how to suck eggs, but I, I believe you don't know how to suck eggs. So I'm going to tell you how you do it. <laughs> what you do is you go, basically, it's multiple choice. So there's three options, but actually, really, there's two options. The one's always a, a bit of an outlier. Right. And you should be able to deduce um by having a little bit of insider knowledge. Okay, okay, okay. okay. So you Let's... go in fifty-five, fifty-seven, fifty-eight, it's all too close. All what right, you've got all right. to do. What, no, what you've got to do is have one answer which is very obviously not correct. Like you go nineteen seventy-eight, right? Then out of the two, even if you don't actually know, you can work it out and deduce it. So okay. you need to come Was, back in two now, weeks' time and I can do think it now. about this. All right, go oh. on then. I can do it now. Right. The Archers in Turmoil, Tom Forrest, fa- Tom Forrest Faces Murder Charge. Was it published in 1950, 1957? No, because the, now, now you're doing it. Well, well done. Well done. Well done. Because the Archers started in 1951. Yes. And it wasn't 1970, so then I could have worked it out. See, see, because I've got a little bit of knowledge about this thing, I can yes. work it out. Now you're doing it. Well done. What was Thank the middle you. one again? Because that's the correct one. <laughs> I was too busy talking <laughs> to him. 57? I'm guessing 1957. <laughs> When okay. Harold Macmillan was our prime minister. There you go. The next one, The Archer's Mock Wedding, protest against hiring of church to BBC. Was it published in 1955, 2017 or 2019? Now, that's too easy now. That's too easy. Can you hear the sarcasm in my voice? 1955. And we've already had 1955. That was the last answer. So with my powers of deduction, <laughs> I'm going 1958. Are you happy now? Because you see, you just wanted to get them all right. I know. So I... No, no, but like, that's like, <laughs> oh, come on. You've got to give people a little bit of, it's like, it's it's a puzzle, isn't it? It's not just a quiz. It's actually a puzzle because... None of those did I actually know. I've never heard of these headlines or these storylines, so I don't know. So you've got to let me use my powers of deduction to work it out. 
Otherwise, yeah. it's just random. That last article was written by a chap called Norman Shrapnel, and he actually makes Norman a very Shrapnel. good point. Norman Shrapnel. Yes. He makes a very good point. He had been to a real harvest festival meal, and in he's, he was saying that real life is just not as interesting. The harvest festival meal he'd been to in real life was just boring, and yet when you hear it on, on Ambridge, on the Archers, it's just there's always something interesting. And he also made the point that the Archers was about to start being broadcast uh, in a coast-to-coast network in Canada, New Zealand and other countries. And yes, you're right, that's 1958. So who needed the internet? Uh, humanity. <laughs> yes, dumpty dum. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It was just interesting to see. So huge thank you to the public libraries. Yeah, and well done for you for the quiz, but just give you some pointers for future. Dumdydum.com. Go there. It's got shops, got things you can do. If you haven't done so already, sign up for Tractor. Things are starting to slowly but surely ease in the United Kingdom. So this is an ideal opportunity for you to go on to Tractor if you haven't done already. Look at that big map of pins and see, ooh. There's another Dumpty Dum that lives uh, in my town or in my county or just roundabouts my manor. And they may, and then you go message them through the app and say, hello, Dumpty Dum relative neighbour, go walk your dogs together. <laughs> go, go and have a coffee outdoors. Be all socially distant, but go make physical in real life friends with other Dumpty Dummers. That's what Tractor is all about. And if there are any Dumpty Dum babies that come out of this app, platform let us know i'd be a great godparent would you philippa i would be a great godparent thank you very much yes i go to church so i can be a good godparent thank you i honestly did not know that oh i have uh there's yes yes i have uh yes don't call me shula but there's more to tell but i won't reveal today I'm really sorry about all those little cracks about big throbbing thing in between your legs. It's highly inappropriate to a good Christian woman like <laughs> yourself. I'm so sorry. I'm so it's sorry. fine. I just ignore you, so don't worry about it. Well done. <laughs> uh, folks, you can support this podcast by going on to patreon.com and giving us um, some hard-earned wonga of yours. Uh, $2 per show. Uh, keeps the lights on around here. Uh, keeps us... Keeps Speak pipe paid for, things like that. So go on to patreon.com and support this podcast. This podcast came out of Twitter. Yes, Twitter. You've heard about Twitter. Uh, you can follow us where we are at Dumpty Dum on Twitter. And I'd like to thank Pat, Purple Pumpkin, and Ambridge Pony Club for doing a sterling job behind the handle at Dumpty Dum on Twitter. Quick book reviews with an E on the end. How can people find you on Twitter? <laughs> at Quick Book Reviews with an with a with a three at the end instead of a W. Just look for the delightful orange picture of me reading a book and you'll find me. Did I say an E or did I say three? Three. No, E. Uh, you said E. Oh, well, yeah. I was trying to be too smart and I tripped over my own tongue there. Uh, you Facebook. Got, I was going to say you got confident in winning that quiz, you see. So it's gone to uh, your head. There you go. That's it. Confidence breeds complacency. I prove that every week on this podcast. Uh, Facebook is another social media hub where you can go do stuff, hang out with other dum dumbers Go onto Facebook, type in dum dum and you'll hang out with other dum dumbers on that social media platform. The Flick app. I'm conflicted about the Flick app. Uh, Flick app people will know that Flick app have thrown a whole lot of sports at it. Mm. So I'm a bit like, oh, do we need to abandon it? Um, if you want to keep the Flick app going, um, either tell me on the Flick app, or email me. No, tell me on the Flick app because I'm really now on the edge. 
Uh, I know we have a hardcore of maybe about 10, 15 people that like to use the Flick app, but all this sports stuff on it, as somebody quite likes sport, even I'm turned off by it. So anyway, let, let's have a discussion about that. Uh, there you go. Uh, now, normally I would like, you know, pretend to be like really uh, broad-minded and magnanimous and say, what piece of music are we going to put on the end of the show? However, considering that this ep- this week was all about superheroes, Marvel superheroes, the best type of superheroes, the superheroes that I grew up with. We started with Spider-Man. We had a little bit of talk about Grey Hulk in the middle of the show. We're going to end with Post Malone and Sway Lee with Sunflower. And I challenge anybody to say that this is not a beautiful piece of music. It's from Into the Spider-Verse. This is lovely. Tarara bit, tatty bye. Oh, would you like to say goodbye? Yes, first of all, can I just thank our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundup, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy B. Freeman. And just say yes, thanks everyone for listening in again this week. It's just been a pure delight. And uh, look forward to next time. Take care, everyone. You love would be too much, or you'll be left.